Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. On today's episode, it is part two of our fantasy football series right here on Believe in Betting Chicago. We're talking fantasy. So coming on back, who else can I talk fantasy with other than my teddy guy, my brother, Dave Rispoli? What's up, buddy? Hey, man, I can't see you because I'm wearing sunglasses this time around. I'm that excited about wide receivers, and our future is bright. I, saw, I thought you were going to say you're that excited because Dontrell Inman is in camp and on a team. <laughs> you cannot kill him. You cannot bury him. He will play the, in the NFL for the rest of his life. Joey, I'm not caught up on my dues on the Dontrell Inman fan club, but I can see that you are. Uh, I am the administrator. I am the captain. <laughs> I am the leader. So, you are Dontrell Inman. <laughs> and this is what we're doing today, you guys. We're doing wide receivers. We're going to give you our top 10 list, but of course... You can't just draft a fancy roster off a of top 10 wide receivers. We're going to give you some great sleepers. We're going to give you some people in the middle of the draft, later in the draft to pick. And caveat, me and Dave's lists, they are not the same. So unlike the tight ends, we're going to have maybe a little bit more of a pushback on this one, don't you think? Joey, I also brought my boxing gloves. I'm ready to battle. <laughs> I've never gotten in an argument with someone on Zoom before. Today might be the day. <laughs> So let's launch right in. Oh, go for it. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I'm pulling us out of gallery view. I'm only looking at myself. <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only way to go. So let's dive right into it. We're going to go one through 10 and then take it from there. You know, number one on our list, I don't think there's going to be a disagreement there. Mr. Michael Thomas on the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, we are certainly simpatico on Michael Thomas, Joey. I say Michael Thomas is that 2 a.m. deep dish, deep dish pizza. He always delivers and he always satisfies, right? I mean, the dude has been number one in catches and yards in each of the last two seasons. He led the league in routes per run or yes, yards per route run by a comfortable margin last year. Getting the mouth warmed up, Joey. Got to get, got to really get in my, my mouth Olympics here early on in this podcast i'm already slurring you're, you're my words sa- you're salivating what it I'm, is you're drunk I'm, on michael thomas there's a lot yeah, of i'm just drunk on like love that. with these saints man it's it's he's a he's a no-brainer outside of injury to drew Brees and the obvious pandemic situation going on there is nothing that's going to stop this gentleman from catching 100 balls this year he's averaged 117 his last he's under average 117 catches for his career per season Joey, I disagree. I want Drew Brees to get, well, I don't wish injury upon anybody, but I wouldn't mind if Drew Brees were to sit out for something because behind Drew Brees, it's Captain Yolo. It's James Winston. It's my boy. It's true. Mike Thomas might catch 5,000 yards this year, baby. He might catch 5,000 yards. He might catch 5,000 defenders as he chases them on the other way uh, towards Ooh, the end Wouldn't zone. that be exciting? On a pick six situation. Yeah, if Michael only. Thomas is the easiest pick on the list. 13 games of over 89 yards or more last season. I mean, the dude is as bankable as it gets. Let's go to number two. We're going to disagree right here, Dave. So give us who your number two is on your list. Joey, this is a Bears podcast. This is a Chicago-based podcast. I'm really nervous to say this. It feels weird to say this. Devontae Adams is my number two, okay? Ugh. Let me hold, hold on. Let me just rinse my mouth out with some vodka. <clears throat> I apologize, but I like him in fantasy. 
looking at the team, I really hate the Packers this year, and I am no longer afraid of them. That's why I like Devontae Adams as a fantasy football asset. He had double-digit targets in 10 out of the 11 games he played last year, scoring a tutty or 100 yards in nine of those 11 games. That's pretty good. Um, Then the Packers gave him no help. They did not draft a wideout. They thought, oh, Devin Funches will be the answer. And he's like, guys, I don't even want to play this year. (laughs) I thought about it, and I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. You didn't even draft another wide receiver. I'm not playing on this team. Here's what I hate the most about the wide receivers on the Packers, other than they're all Packers. Is they got the most complicated names, Joey. Equinemius St. Brown. What are you, a mountain range? Yeah, Lazard. Marquez. Scantling. Yeah. Is it, these, are, these are not essential oils, Dave. Is these it Lazard? It's Lazard. Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Sounds like a conquistador. Just get out of here with all of them. I think Devonta Adams could flirt with 160 targets. Therefore, I think number one potential is in his range of outcomes. Uh, but he won't be on my team, Joey, because I don't do that. Neither do I. I was making this top 10 list and I literally said, you know what? I'm not even going to put Devontae Adams on the list right now. Fuck it. I'll just go figure it out later. And then I forgot Dave. And then I emailed you and he wasn't on the top <laughs> 10 list. And you thought that I was trying to like cook the hottest take in the hot take oven as possible. I just forgot to put him on there. Cause you know what? I'm not drafting him. Uh, I don't care. I have him as number five on my list. The reason why he is on, on my number five though, objectively is that honestly, you know, Aaron Rodgers production-wise, the numbers look great in totality. On the back of the football card, they look really good from last year, but those final six or seven games, he wasn't really throwing touchdowns. He wasn't passing for yards. That team was totally content winning ugly, and then they did jack shit in the offseason. So, honestly, are they really going to be the team that's more explosive this year than they were last year? If anything, they're just going to kind of reach that baseline. So, it's Devontae Adams or bust, and I got him at number five on my list. Take that, cheeseheads. So, Number three on the list, he's my number two. And this is a guy who honestly, at this point in his career, is kind of boring to own. Oh, am I going to get this guy again for the 4,000th time? But you know what? Julio Jones, man, the walking questionable. What can I say? Eight games last year of 91-plus yards in a game. Nine games of seven-plus catches. Dave, why is it boring to own Julio Jones? He's still pretty incredible. Yeah, because I think we're just like, oh, do I want 1,600 passing yards again? Like, do I want that? Do I want him to maybe have like five or six touchdowns? And I think it's, you hit the nail on the head, Joe. The injuries, it's a concern. But as we'll talk about a lot this podcast, I'm very high on the Falcons. I think they lead the league in pass attempts this year. I think the departure of Mohamed Sanu, of Austin Hooper, of Devonta Freeman frees up a lot of targets, and they ain't going to Russell Gage, Joe. <laughs> They're going to Julio Jones, and then somebody we'll talk a lot about later. Julio Jones is a sure thing. I think, yes, he does have those injury concerns, but he usually ends up playing. He'll give you the headache all week, pop the aspirin, and put him in the starting lineup because if he plays, he balls out. You might be also doing a tease for some quarterback situation that we're going to be doing in a couple weeks right here. I'm believing betting Chicago. But yeah, Julio Jones, he's like 
he's like Will Smith or he's like Chris Pratt or Will Ferrell. They've done four or five great movies. They're all amazing. And for some reason, the public just sort of starts to turn on them and be like, I'm tired of this guy. I'm sick of him. Well, you know what? I'm not sick of Julio Jones. He's actually number two on my list, but we got him at number three here on the board. Either way, you know, he's still an amazing, fantastic player. Dave, number four on the list. Who do you got in the top wide receivers on number four? I'm going to give you his name, and then I'm going to give you my notes on him. We call him Ty Freak. Tyreek Hill, and I just wrote, his name says it all. The guy is an absolute freak of nature. Freaky, freaky, freaky boy. By far the fastest player in the NFL. I don't know if there's anyone else faster than him. Although uh, I saw online that Matt Breda claims that he is the fastest NFL player. <laughs> I don't think so. Tyreek Hill, uh, he also has a pretty good quarterback. Some guy named Pat Mahomes. Heard of him? Heard of him. He's Joey. Making, he makes pretty good money. Yeah. Tyreek Hill's got to be one of my favorite fantasy players to own because he can be that guy. It's the fourth quarter, and you're like, oh, man, Tyreek Hill only has two catches for 28 yards. And then you're like, oh, let me, let me go make some lunch. Let me make a sandwich. And then you get back, and you realize, oh, my God, how did I get – a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. Oh, one was an end around and one was just an absolute bomb. He's a guy I love to have in leagues that give you like 40 yard completion bonuses. Um, anything like that. This guy just gobbles those up for dinner. Yeah. Maybe not the best PPR value, but man, he makes up for it in yards in touchdowns. The, the rushing yards was actually kind of a surprise. He doesn't really put up as many rushing yards as you would think, but yeah, he can take that end around and he can take it to the house. He's averaged 1,174 yards over his last three seasons. Uh, what was it? Two years ago, two seconds before halftime, you know, usually you need that hail Mary pass and they ended up kidding it underneath to Tyreek Hill. And then he ran in and scored a touchdown. He's got that kind of talent. I have it at number four on my list only because of two questions. One, off-the-field issues, let's be real, it followed him coming into the NFL. It continues to follow him. He missed some time last year because of that. Obviously, fantasy owners can't control that, but that should make you a little bit cautious on that end. And then just my question for you, Dave, is it possible for the Chiefs to have too many weapons in terms of that hurting his fantasy value? Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear, baby. Uh, uh, he's, you know he's what? amazing. It's, it's the golden corral, baby. It's, there's enough food for everybody. Everybody going to eat. But I know, I, I do think he's, I think he's the second target option in that at worst, right? I think some games it's him. Some games it's Kelsey. And I think when you're putting up 45 points in a game, Tyreek Hill can certainly have scored 14 of those. And for fantasy purposes, I think he eats again this year. I think he's a lock for the top five. Yeah, and you definitely brought it up too. Like, too many weapons, right? He could be going into the third quarter with one target, and next thing you know, he's got two catches for 120 yards or something and two touchdowns. I mean, it can happen that fast for him. Moving on to number five on our list, and honestly, he's a guy who's number three on our list, and this one might be a little bit more of a disagreement than a lot of the others. Is I have DeAndre Hopkins. I'm a huge DeAndre Hopkins fan. The last six years, 51 touchdowns. He averages 96.6 catches per season, over 1,100 yards per season. And 
you know, Kyler Murray, he did have a rough five-week stretch right in the middle there, but he started strong and he finished strong. I do like the direction that that offense is going in. And for me personally, I think DeAndre Hopkins on a new team, I just think Kyler Murray is going to be feeding him the ball constantly over and over and over again. I think it's a good situation for him. And I think Hopkins is going to be able to show up. I got DeAndre there uh, sitting at number five, number three on my list. I have him sitting at six, Joey, and I thought about putting him much lower. So let me just get this clear, okay? So what you're saying is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL is leaving a shitty team to go play with the budding young first-round draft pick entering his second season in the NFL, correct? Which was Deshaun Watson last year. I, I hear you, but, but yes, no, 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 that no. is what I'm saying. I'm asking you. Does that exact scenario sound familiar? I mean, it sounds like the Baker Mayfield Odell Beckham scenario from last year. One of the really best wide out. receivers in the NFL leaves a shitty team to go play with a budding young first round draft pick entering his second year in the NFL. How'd so, that turn out? If I start seeing Kyler Murray in Geico commercials and like selling your toast. Like, yeah. Selling Feldco. Check, windows, please. I am going to be very, very scared. And, and look like I just, I just think it's a good combo. I definitely think if you draft him, I think that first month of the fantasy season is going to be awesome. Like the two of them were like these long lost lovers that have never seen each other. And look, this isn't to denigrate Deshaun Watson. It's just DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins was able to get it done without the quality quarterback play of Deshaun Watson. He's had some crappy quarterbacks in the past. He still catches passes, you know, uh, you know, three, three through six. I mean, we're kind of doing apples and oranges, but I mean, do you, do you really think that he's going to struggle or you just maybe don't think that the, you like the value that he's at right now. And that's why you have him at six. Yeah. I, I am always nervous when a wide receiver changes teams for that first year. I think I'm probably going to own Deandre Hopkins next year, but Joey men and women lie, but the numbers Never do. Out of 16 wide receivers who had top 16 ADPs since 2001, so that means we we're drafting them in the top 16, only four in the history have increased in fantasy points the first year on their new team. Here's that list, Joey. Terrell Owens, Hall of Famer. Randy Moss, Hall of Famer. Brandon Marshall, who is kind of, mm, caveat, he already had chemistry with Cutler. I was going to say these wide receivers all went to Super Bowls and then you lost me with Brandon Marshall, <laughs> but that was a really fun season to watch. Yeah, he had built-in chemistry already with the quarterback of the new team he was going to. And of course, Joey, the guy we all know and love, David Boston? David Boston. David Boston. One, one of the best biceps, the best guns in the wide receiving biz uh yeah the dude the dude and he was an arizona cardinal for a while too d boss as we called him joey i'm just going to list a few other wide receivers who had amazing fantasy seasons and then i'm going to see your reaction to how they did on that first year with that new team um sammy watkins to the chiefs no thank you Jarvis Landry's first year to the Browns. Aye, aye, aye. Threw up in my mouth. Mike Wallace to the Dolphins. Oh, God. Every time he changed teams. Brandon Cooks to the Pats. That was five teams ago, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And this one near and dear to our heart, Alshon to the Eagles. Oh, boy. He caught touchdowns that year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, Alshon's legs are made out of pulled pork. David, you're a tidy guy. I respect you. And that's a great, fantastic stat. The numbers are stacked against them. And, you know, I, I think this might be a conversation that we're having for our next guy on the list, number six. I got Mike Evans at number six. You know, not that Mike Evans is changing teams, but he's got a whole brand new quarterback. He's got a new situation. And I think a lot of people are sort of trying to figure out, you know, who is Mike Evans going to be this year with Tom Brady? And the same thing might go for DeAndre Hopkins, too, as well, like switching over. Is it going to go up or is it going to go down? Well, this is very interesting to me, Joey, when you sent over your list. You do not have Chris Godwin in your top 10. Spoiler alert for Joey's top 10. I have Chris Godwin at five and do not have Mike Evans in my top 10. So let's go head to head. Chris Godwin versus Mike Evans. Joey, put your money where your mouth is. Why Mike Evans? Uh, Mike Evans won. He's the Randy Moss clone, in my, opi- in my opinion, for the Tom Brady scenario. Tom Brady, for years, historically struggles throwing the ball deep. Um, you know, I think this is a situation where Tom Brady has the accuracy to be able to put a ball up in a particular spot, and Mike Evans has the physicality and athleticism to go up and get there. Now, you know, downside, you know, Mike Evans last season, four or fewer catches in a game nine times, you know. He did put up 233 yards over a four-game span during the fantasy playoffs, which was really nice. But again, I just think big target, a guy that can go out and either catch the ball right away after Tom Brady hikes the ball or that little loft pass. I think you're going to start to see more of that, uh, that toss-up situation in the red zone for touchdowns. You know, that's why I like Mike Evans in that particular case. You know, what's your case for Chris Godwin? Well, Joey, first off, I'll just tell you why it's not Mike Evans for me. He was 12th in fantasy points per game last season. And I think for Mike Evans, last season was ideal, right? Mike Evans is one of the best go up and get the ball receivers in the NFL right now. He had the one quarterback who would close his eyes pray to the heavens and YOLO chuck that thing as far as he could for Mike Evans to get it every time. I don't think Brady is that guy. You're talking about Randy Moss. I think that was the last time Brady had that kind of arm strength. And then time ago, I think the torch was passed last season. I think we all kind of in the fantasy football community were on Chris Godwin. He certainly was my man to see last year. I think we knew why he was going to emerge is because he was that really good possession receiver who could also be a red zone target. He runs great routes. He graded out um, as the ninth best among 86 qualified wideouts in 2019. He also finished ninth among 86 qualified wideouts in yards per route run. So he's also not just a over the middle. He's not Julian Edelman, but he can do that. And I think if you're talking about who fits with the Tom Brady of 2020, the Tom Brady who may be in his last season, if not looking at his last season quickly, quickly approaching, I think it's Chris Godwin. I think he just fits that mold a little better. And I don't think we're going to see the Bruce Arian system that Jameis Winston was um, utilizing or the Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Tom Brady's way smarter. I think they play closer games this year. And I think that fits Chris Godwin's skill set. That being said, if we were to expand this list to 11, 
Mike Evans is my 11th. So, you know, tomato, tomato. I think they're both a thousand yard receivers this year. I think there's going to be games where they cancel each other out. I think honestly, both of them are going to be frustrating to own. And look, I like Chris Godwin as a receiver and, you know, maybe we can come to agreement on this. I think he might be slightly, slightly overvalued. I mean, I don't know if he's going to end up on my fantasy team because where he's at right now might be a little bit too rich for my blood and look like, yeah, 14 games of seven plus receptions last season. I mean, that is quality consistency. The reason why I knocked him just a little bit was he had a four game stretch, which was absolutely incredible on fire, 448 yards in four games with 29 receptions. You know, that is just elite, elite production. Do I think that he can repeat that this year? I'm not so sure. I think that perhaps again, a thousand yards, I'm with you 100%, taking a step forward and becoming even better. I'm not so sure about that. So for me, it's a little bit more of a value play. And I'm just trying to think, you know, between those two, Godwin and Evans, who do I think ends up with more touchdowns? As of right now, I'm probably going to go with Evans. But we got both of those guys. I mean, those guys are going to be drafted super early. You know, they're going to be on some fancy teams, and hopefully they both score points, which is it seems like that's how it might shake out so far. Yeah, Joe, and I got news for you. Everyone we just talked about is probably has a very small chance of ending up on my fantasy teams because these next five, six guys we're going to talk about have so much value. I think could easily jump into the top three of the 2021 conversation and you're getting all of these guys at a discount. So let's talk about, we agreed on this. Kenny Galladay coming in at number seven for the both of us. Joey, he was not on my top 10. You sent over your list. I, of course, as a good Teddy guy, did all my research. I looked into the numbers. I looked in the mirror and I said, who am I? What am I doing? I slapped myself and I said, Dave, this guy needs to be in the top 10. What are you doing? Look at these numbers. Oh, my God, Joey. He was sixth in fantasy points per game. With no Matt Stafford for most of it, 75 catches, 1,226 yards, nine tutties over his last 16 games with Matt Stafford. If you were to pace that out, he could have finished uh, with 70 catches for 1,280 yards and 14 touchdowns if he took his uh, 2019 season and expanded that out to 16 games. His ADP is the 27th player overall, which that's looking like mid to late third round. This is the guy, if I start running back, running back, or running back tight end, and Kenny Galladay is my first wide receiver, I'm putting these sunglasses back on, Joey. I just yeah. won. Yeah, you, you, see, you see the talent. And as a Bears fan, you know, he, he scares me. He has size. You know, I don't think there's anyone in the Bears secondary that has the physicality to really be able to hang in there with him. So they definitely have to kind of bracket him and pay a lot of attention to him. And then you're right, man, when you dive into the numbers, you know, when Stafford was in the lineup, the dude is almost over a 50% bankability for over a hundred yards. I mean, you can't really say that with too many more receivers and you're right. He does have this, this ceiling that maybe he hasn't quite reached yet. So for a lot of people, if you're going, like you said, double, double, double running backs, and then you get that as your first receiver, and he's a guy that could perhaps be better this year, and that's what you're looking for in a wide receiver is maybe not, hey, give me the exact same thing you gave me last year, 
unless it's the Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, you want the guy that's going to give you a little bit more, make you look a little bit smarter. Kenny Galladay could be that guy this season. Absolutely. And this is the same quarterback who made Megatron a fantasy darling, a superstar. It's kind of how he treats Kenny Galladay. Though it is interesting, though, Marvin Jones does get targeted a ton in the red zone, but Kenny Galladay still seems to eat. He's a go-up-and-get-it kind of receiver, especially in the red zone. And look, TJ Hawkinson banged up again. Danny Amendola is the third wide receiver, a guy who I don't know, but my guess is he's banged up, right? <laughs> That's a pretty good guess. So the I doctor think- comes into the office and he goes, Mr. Amendola, you will be banged up for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, he's you like, be- I know. I know. Ooh, don't, don't, I got, don't I got hurt walking in your office, pal. Yeah. And I think it's just a team that really just can't figure out this running game. And when they do, they do not stick to it. Matt Stafford is who he is, right? He's, he's Jay Cutler. He's Brett Favre. He's a gunslinger. He's a statue in the pocket, but he's going to rip it down 60 yards if and when he can. And that's why we love Kenny Galladay. Yeah, and Stafford, you know, they'll be losing by 7 or 10, but he's always still giving them a chance, always still picking up yards. You know, maybe not a fantasy darling, but definitely a dude that could be in the top 10, top 12 conversation this year too as well. And their defense blows, Joe. As Bears fans, I'm excited about that. They lost Darius Slay, their top cornerback. I think we're going to pick this defense apart, and I think the rest of the division is too. Yeah, the part that I like the most is we're playing them week one, and they did take Akuda, who everyone thinks is going to be this all-pro cornerback, number three overall. But guess what? You know, rookie cornerbacks on week one, I like that It's going to take time. Yeah, I like taking that chance right off the bat there. We're moving to number eight, number nine on the list, and I'm going to toss you two guys that, you know, maybe a little bit on the similar side. We're going to do an either-or situation right here. Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup. You know, obviously you might like both of them, but which one do you maybe like a little bit more if they were both on the board? Which one would you draft first? Well, Joey, they both have injury warts from last season. They both have injury warts from multiple seasons, actually. But for me, this year, I love Adam Thielen. I'm just going to keep hammering our division, Joe. Might as well make it an NFC North podcast because I love Adam Thielen because of volume, volume, volume. And lest we forget, Joey, he was the apple of Cousin's Eye just two years ago, and he had seven consecutive games of 100 yards. He was the most consistent wide receiver there was. And that's when Stefan Diggs was kind of in and out of the lineup and was like the number two option. Last year, it seemed like they were trying to get Stefan Diggs trade value up. He became their number one in deep threat. Thielen battled injury, but now Stefan Diggs is long gone. I think Justin Jefferson will grow into an amazing receiver. But Joe, we've talked about it. No offseason, no, no preseason, yeah. rookie wide receivers. It's going to take a lot of time. I think Adam Thielen is going to get targeted a ton, and you can get him in the fourth round. I just I love that value for Adam Thielen. I don't love really any other pass catcher on the Vikings, but come Adam Thielen, I'm going to be taking him a lot. And then PPR leagues – I'm going to be pulling the trigger in the third round. I wouldn't mind doing that at all. 
Yeah, we're talking about two players, two wide receivers that are the apple of their quarterback's eyes, right? I mean, these guys. Very similar. Might not, yeah, you might not necessarily think that they're the most talented people in the world, but when you start looking at the numbers, you start watching them play, you're like, man, they're getting a ton of targets, and they're constantly producing. You know, Cooper Cup had a four-game streak last year of 100-plus receiving yards, you know, eight games of six-plus receptions. He finished the season on a five-game touchdown streak. So he started the season strong, ended it strong. The middle was banged up with injuries. I think with both of these guys, too, there is a little bit of a caution flag there with the injury bug. But, you know, I have Adam Thielen on my list eight. I have him ahead of Cooper Cup based on everything that you just said, where, you know, the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, Tajay Sharp, Kyle Rudolph, you know, those are kind of the receiving options. Yeah, those are the receiving options for Kirk Cousins. And with Cooper Cup, you know, Jared Goff, could find him in the dark and still throw the football to him, but still they have guys like Robert Woods on the team, you know, Tyler Higby. There's a lot of different receiving options on there. That offense does attempt to be versatile at times. So I do have feeling with a little bit of a bump, but I do like both of these guys' values. These are also guys that sneakily, I think people kind of schluff off a little bit every single season, and yet they still are putting up numbers that deserve to be in this top 10 category. And that's why I like both those guys to that spot. Why I love both these guys. I mean, Cooper Cup's going in the fifth round, Joey. What I love about both of them is you're not paying for their ceiling whatsoever. I mean, you think, I mean, fifth round, we're talking, you know, going as like wide receiver, probably 18, 19 for Cooper Cup. You think Cooper Cup can't best wide receiver 19 when all is said and done? He could be a top 10 wide receiver, but you're paying for him as a top 20 wide receiver. Although he did kind of trail off towards the end. The one thing I'm going to be interested with both Thielen and Cooper Cup is both of them do their damage in the slot, right? That's where they've done most of their damage. We saw Adam Thielen have to move outside a lot last year. Justin Jefferson definitely fits the archetype of a slot receiver. Cooper Cup with the emergence of Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett healthy, if they do two tight end sets, where does that put Cooper Cup? Like, are we seeing Robert Woods on the outside, Cooper Cup on the outside? Or are we seeing Robert Woods on the outside, Josh Reynolds on the outside, and Cooper Cup on the bench? I don't think that happens too often, but it is something that concerns me. The question, too, is Robert Woods had a down season last year, and I'm wondering if they're going to make it a point of trying to get him going again. So that's another thing to sort of keep an eye on. We're at number 10 on our list, Dave. Uh, I got a juicy one for number 10, but I want you to go first, my friend. Who do you got number 10 on your list? I'm going to go, Joey, with a guy who was top three just a year ago. And such a pleasure to watch. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Are you saying he moved to Cleveland, Dave? (laughs) No, Joey. No, I'm not talking about Odell Beckham. I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm talking about the guy that your wife in our couples league drafted 1.1. First overall ahead of Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Everybody, that's a Steelers fan. Beetle Juju Juice. Loved it. You got to pick him. But here's the thing. Last season, I'm willing to call a complete wash for all of the Steelers. Okay. You know what else? You know who else would call last season a loss? Um, Mason Rudolph and some guy named Duck Hodges. Okay. But I, I ask you, Joey, let's take a little trip back to 2019. Okay. Juju Smith Schuster out there all over the field, 
a ton out of the slot, catching 111 balls for 1,426 yards and seven tutties. Joey, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's a great guy. I think he's so fun to watch. I think he's probably disgusted with how last last um, year shook out for him. And guess what? He's trying to get that bag, baby. It's a contract year. The motivation is there. The chip is on his shoulder. The chip is on Mike Tomlin's shoulder, Big Ben's shoulder. I think James Conner has a bounce back. And I think you're paying for Juju Smith-Schuster with a Duck Hodges discount. And that's my favorite kind of discount. Middle of the fourth round, sign me up for the bounce back. He is completely the candidate to have that happen this season. And look, it's all going to come down to that big, tall pillar in the middle of that offense. If Big Ben is still standing and still throwing the football, good things are going to happen for Juju Smith-Schuster and his fantasy value. You know, let's be honest. I watch a lot of Steelers games now. My beautiful wife is a huge Steelers fan. She loves Juju Smith-Schuster very much. And look, he's a good dude. He wants to do well. He is basically the, as of right now, the anti-Antonio Brown, a good teammate, a guy that wants to make the city proud. And I think he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder this season. I think Big Ben knows how to feed the, the prima donna wide receiver mentality and just give him tons and tons of targets. And there's just something to be said about, I think one of the underrated things about Big Ben eventually when we look back on his playing career is that he's not necessarily the most accurate dude in the world, but he puts the ball in certain places that only receivers can catch the football. And those receivers know exactly where those are. Those, those back shoulder throws to A.B. and Juju, he hits that stuff all day long. He makes, you know, he makes chicken salad out of chicken shit sometimes on these plays. And I do see Juju reemerging as that number one player in their offense. I think their offense will look completely different this year. And like you said, dude, his value is so low, right? We're talking about a guy that could be a top six, top seven wide receiver in fantasy, and his ADP does not reflect that right now. And that's a perfect time to pounce. And Joey, that's a perfect analogy because chicken salad is something I think ben, Big Ben eats a lot of. It's very clear. <laughs> that's a the, guy who the trick is the extra scoop of mayo. He, he gets it from Seven <laughs> Eleven in those big containers, and he just scarfs that crying in his car before he practice. blends it into a smoothie and then just drinks it, baby. <laughs> just drinks it straight down. Are you ready for my number ten? Hit me. So. This is a little bit different, but we're going, we're going in the same mindset here. We're looking for guys that are going to ascend. Dudes that next year, when you do your top 10 list, these guys are no-brainers. You want to be ahead of the curve in fantasy. You always want to look smart. You, know, you don't want to be too far ahead of your skis, but number 10, dude, I'm going DK Metcalf. I absolutely loved him coming what? out of college. Yes, and I know. Hold on. <laughs> okay. I, Hear me I wasn't – I, Joey, I was not ready for that. I'm calling it right now, breakout star, couple different things going on. One, caveat. We don't know what's going to happen with the NFL. We all assume that they're going to play, and we all hope and pray that they're all going to be healthy for 16 games. I think personally right now, the Seattle Seahawks are probably the organization that is running one of the more tight, you know, modern ships right now in terms of those protocols and that health. I think that they're bonded together. You know, Russell Wilson, 
obviously a top five, top four quarterback in the league, maybe even a top three fantasy quarterback. DK Metcalf was a guy that came in last year and as a rookie wide receiver, immediately started making plays. Now, was he a fantasy darling right off the bat? No, but he became a red zone threat. And then he finished up the season strong. Five out of his last seven games, he had 70 or more receiving yards. He averaged 71 receiving yards during that span, had 498 yards, four touchdowns. Now, I just think that is a taste. Now, if you take that and you play that out during a whole season, you're like, oh, okay, great, top 15 numbers. If he takes it to another level, which I think that he can this season, now you're talking top 10. Now you're talking a guy that his ADP right now is not reflective of top 10 wide receiver numbers, and that's why I think he can make that jump going out on a limb, getting sexy, DK Metcalf, number 10. Joey, I am so happy that I'm in three leagues with you. I cannot wait to draft with you. That's all I'm saying. 32nd in fantasy points per game last year. 53.2% of his charted routes were either a slant or a nine route. So they kept things very simple for him. Maybe this year they take a little bit of the leash off. They let the dog a bite. But, Joey, Tyler Lockett's still there. Yes. I still think he's the 1A. Greg Olson was signed. They have three very competent pass-catching tight ends. And again, the Seahawks. Every year we hope that they are going to let Russ cook. And they never do, Joey. <laughs> Until it's like the most dire situation. Fourth right? quarter. When, yeah, when Fourth he has quarter. to literally be like, all right, Russ, go throw the ball 20 straight, uh, 20 straight snaps in a row. And, you know, I'm with you. I got it. I got all that information. I just think his touchdowns are going up. Um, I like him a whole lot. And, you know, there's some other guys coming up on this list that have a lot of pedigree, that have a lot of past success, that maybe we're not quite as excited about. I want to get excited about a guy. I'm not saying draft him as if he's the 10th wide receiver. You draft him at the value that he's at and then hope that he ends up the 10th receiver. That's the key. And that's, Joey, I was just going to say the caveat is – I'm going to own a lot of DK Metcalf. Okay, yeah, but yeah, he's going <laughs> to slide six, right there. Six, six fifth round. Yeah. Um, I'm hitting the draft button every time. So for all the listeners, we're putting him in the top 10 uh, to have some fun conversations. Do not draft him as a top 10 wide receiver. No, wait. But, but move Hide him your up time. your board. Yeah, move him up your board to make sure that you do get him. And let's say I would reach for DK Metcalf in the fifth round. I have no issue. If you have two running backs locked up as DK Metcalf as my second wide receiver, it, look, buddy, we talked about it before. This could this could be your draft. You could have two running backs, Kenny Galladay and DK Metcalf. Go ahead, go online, look for fantasy football rings, find your size, and order it because you win in. And that's the key. DK Metcalf should not be the first wide receiver drafted onto your fantasy team. I probably do not recommend that. There is, I guess, a scenario where if you went running back, running back, and in the third round, you know, you popped for, you know, uh, the Mahomes or the Deshaun Watson, you popped early for a quarterback, and then you pop for an elite tight end. I guess maybe I can wrap my head around that. I would not recommend it, but as your number two receiver at that value, that could give you number one receiver value. I love that a whole lot. So we're done with our top 10. Oh, hold on, Joey. I'm so sorry. We actually, because we're kind of going for each of our lists, we skipped over my true number eight, Joey. Hmm. And this is a bears podcast. Okay. I had he's, this he's guy not too far away. On I my had list. this. I had this guy in my top ten. So I do want to talk about him just Ted a bit. Ginn Jr. Go That's ahead. Right, the floor baby. is yours. 
<laughs> One of our tight ends are converting to wide receiver. I think you should draft him. <laughs> Two of our tight ends are combining, going through some sort of splice surgery to become one wide receiver. Look, I love Allen Robinson. And I never own him in fantasy. He just, I, we have too many Bears fans in our league, Joe. He goes way earlier. Uh, rich for my blood. I think he's a little rich for my blood this year as far as his ADP in the top of the third round. That being said, and this is quite a caveat, all of this is under the assumption that Nick Foles takes over. I think if Big Dick Nick takes over, for a majority of this year, we could see the Allen Robinson ceiling that we have not yet. He finished as the number seven wide receiver last year in fantasy, six wide receiver in targets, 13th in receiving yards with horrendous quarterback play last year. So last year would be a good metric for his floor, which is wide receiver seven. He is a metric geek hero. He charts in the 94 percentile of reception perception, which is like a great uh, um, Matt Harmon of Yahoo printed every year. It's specific on wide receivers. He charts each route they run. A great wide receiver charts at about 80%, just as a reference. 94 percentile, very few names on that list. All I'm saying is Foles has thrown deep on 20.8% of his career attempts. I think that is the perfect fit to finally find Allen Robinson's full potential. I think we've been using him as this possession receiver, but that's not who Allen Robinson is. He was burning dudes last year, and he is one of the best 50-50 ball guys in the NFL. Fight me in the streets. You're saying a lot of stuff that I like a whole lot. You mean Allen Robinson, you're right. He can run every single route in the route tree. 154 targets last season, as you mentioned. Um, but, and the most interesting thing is all the other Bears receivers last season combined for 164. So it was almost a collection of dudes and then Allen Robinson. Now, I got Chris Godwin ahead of him on my list. You know, I've got him at number 13. The only reason why, and this is maybe my little poor little Bears heart right now, is it's not that I'm not rooting for Allen Robinson to have a huge season. I just kind of feel like, if the Bears are going to be successful this season, you know, if his numbers getting bigger and better, I don't know if that is good for the Bears as a whole, as a totality. You know, it felt like a lot of times last season that, especially when Mitch was struggling, the only person that can make any kind of play out there was Allen Robinson, where you're getting into a force feed situation. And I, pref I would prefer hopefully more of a balance. I would prefer, you know, Anthony Miller emerging as a number two receiver. I would prefer you know, David Montgomery becoming the running back that we want him to see catching passes out of the backfield. I'd like to see Tariq Cohen have a bounce back season. I want to see all that kinds of stuff. You know, now would that hurt Allen Robinson's fancy value in the long run? Maybe not by much. Um, I'm right there with you though. He's a top flight. He's a top flight guy. I do think you can definitely make a case for where his ADP is right now that, you know, if he is your first receiver, not the worst thing in the world if you're starting your team with Allen Robinson. And I agree with you. He does have that top 10, top eight potential because he did it last year. Why wouldn't on a, and, and all things that I just said, the bears offense was awful last year was Bad. dog shit. And he still Bad. put up numbers 
I guess I'm fighting myself right now, but imagine what Allen Robinson could do if the Bears actually had a good offense that was consistent all through the season. I'll say this, Joe. As a Bears fan, last year I ended up with zero Bears on my team. I usually don't draft Packers. I try to draft as a fan, and it made the season that much more enjoyable. So it may be one of those years you're right, Joe. Maybe it's going to be a headache, and maybe I just don't even want to get involved. Let's move on before I get too sad. We should move on. So we've got a couple more segments to go here. And, you know, I want to hear, you know, I want to hear who your, you know, your mid-round picks are, some juicy values, you know, maybe a, a veteran out there that, you know, maybe isn't getting quite the buzz that he used to, but still, you know, old faithful, still putting up fantasy numbers. Also want to hear about some deep sleep creepers, but I want to start at this spot right here. You know, we're still kind of hanging around just outside the top 10, the top 15. I'm going to give you two players right now, two players okay. that we know very well that are frustrating as hell. And you got to pick one of them, Odell Beckham Jr. or Amari Cooper. Who are you drafting? Holy moly, Joe. First off, right? That's, those are the two toughest guys in this year's draft you for me personally. You don't want to own them, but you know that they're good at the same time. It's a dirty feeling. You have to take a bath after you draft one of these guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I owned both of them last year. <laughs> And they tanked both of those teams. I'm in four leagues. That's too, too many leagues, everybody who's listening. But I won two of them and lost two of them, obviously. Odell was on one of the losing teams. Cooper on the other. I'm going to pick Odell Beckham. Here's why not Amari Cooper. And then I'll tell you why Odell Beckham. Amari Cooper straight up is a magician in the worst way. Jekyll because he will just disappear completely. I think he's a really good wide receiver, and we always hear that he's one of the best route runners in the league, but I can't put him in that conversation until he can beat the league's top corners. The shutdown corners shut down Amari Cooper. He also disappoints in the fantasy postseason. He did it two years in a row. There's just like a chip on my shoulder with Amari Cooper. He burned me. CeeDee Lamb is there now. They have a emerging young tight end in Blake Jarwin. There's so many options on that team. This is a year where I'm like, oh, Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. It's going to be a headache. Give me the guy throwing them the ball rather than having to decide each week which one's going to pop. So for those of us giving us a hard time about Amari Cooper, he's a great player. He just got paid. Look at his numbers. Yeah, okay, go ahead, look at his numbers, and then pull up, you know, do something very simple and just pull up his game logs from last season, right? And you'll see one game where he had 226 yards and 4,000 touchdowns. Whoop-de-doo, right? It ends up in the end box score, and you probably won your fantasy game that week. But let me just read something else for you. One catch for three yards. Four catches for 24 yards. One catch Ugh. for 19 yards. <laughs> Zero catches for zero yards, three catches for 38 yards. My friend, that is five games right there where that is fantasy shipwreck. You are stuck on an island talking to a volleyball. And guess what? You probably lost those games if Amari Cooper is your number one receiver on your fantasy team. You can't have that happen. Great. He scored you 50 points one week. Whoop-de-doo. He scored you 15 combined across the other five games. And that's the Jekyll and Hyde that you're talking about right now that makes him really difficult to own. He's always overvalued in my mind. 
and he's just not going to be on my team because no one's going to be no one's going to have like the balls to let him slide that far down to become a y, a YR2 uh, sorry WR2 in a fantasy league he's going to be gone he's going to be someone else's problem Odell Beckham man I had him last year too as well I took him in the first round man I took him 11th overall on the swing back thinking it was going to be awesome dude and man it was so frustrating but you know what he had a down year last year still 74 catches a thousand yards he had 11 games with at least 50 yards so the floor was still you know palatable it wasn't Amari Cooper terrible but every single week you were like man Odell when are you gonna bust out when are you gonna help my fantasy team you know he played like you know, he played like a wide receiver two last year, but it still wasn't, you know, it wasn't bottom of the basement the way that Amari Cooper will take you to, you know? He was so tough to own because he's such a big name. If he was named Dave Rispoli, week three, he would have been on the waiver wires if I played like that. But because he's Odell Beckham Jr., we kept sticking him in our lineups and he really tanked us. But look, he was not right last year, Joe. He had a lot of lower body injuries. He did not look the same. There was plenty of games where he could not burn those cornerbacks. He just didn't look right. He mentioned that. He looks healthy. And I'm not, I'm not a big like defense year in and year out guy. I think it changes. They're, they're hard metrics to, to really follow up on. But at the beginning of last year, he graded out as having the toughest schedule for a wide receiver of all wide receivers. And I think that proved to be true. They have a much easier schedule this year. Kevin Stefanski is a guy who loves play action. They have two incredible backs for that. I think this is the year we see Odell go back to going deep, making spectacular one-handed catches. I don't love his price. He's actually going before Mike Evans. Um, but I think if we're talking between the two, I'm look, I'm staring down the barrel and I got Amari Cooper on one end and Odell Beckham on the other. I'm going to pick a tight end. No, um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll go Odell Beckham. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it's not, a, it's not an easy choice. And it's one of those moments too, where like, you're so excited. You're finally at the fantasy draft. You're with your buddies. This is in previous years, obviously. You're with your buddies. You got wings. You know, maybe you got a cold beverage in your hand. You're already in the third round, and then you're already depressed because you're sitting down. You're like, ah, Jesus, I got Amari Cooper. This is whoop-dee-doo. Here we go. Here goes the roller coaster ride, baby. Strap in. Hand me one of them jalapeno poppers. I'm going to eat one of these right now. So let's, Joey, uh, speaks, well, speaking of some, some uh, older names here, I'd love to hear from you. Give me your old reliable. I think there's a lot of old wide receivers, and I mean this as far as like four years in the NFL or more, who are going in these middle to late rounds. I love the value on a lot of them. Do you have an old reliable who you see his name in the fifth to seventh round, let's say, and you're hitting draft every time? So there's a couple of different guys that I like a whole lot. I think Keenan Allen has some really interesting value this year. I like him a whole lot. And I'll tell you, man, we, we brought him up earlier, but he's 89th overall. I mean, we're talking at a time when you're looking at, at that point, tight ends. Maybe a guy takes a defense off the board. Maybe there's a run on quarterbacks. I still like Julian Edelman. Shoot me. PPR value. 
He's not going to be your second receiver by then. Hopefully he's your third or fourth receiver. If Julian Edelman is your flex and you're in a situation with Cam Newton and they're healthy, I still think that he's going to get the targets. I still think that he's going to get the receptions. Now, caveat, you know, ADP, I see a guy like Devontae Parker going 76%. He's not an old reliable, but that also has got my antenna up a little bit. I find that to be a very interesting value for him. But if we're talking about old faithful guy, give me a Julian Edelman in the eighth, ninth round. Holy cow. Sign me up. While you were talking, Joe, I just looked up Old Faithful in the dictionary, and it's a picture of Julian Edelman. It is? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. With, with Wes Welker. Yeah, next to him. It's the, they're, they're interchangeable. And they're, Joe, they're, on, you, they're you, on acid at the Kentucky Derby with crazy <laughs> pants on. <laughs> you sent me the email to prep for this podcast, and you said, hey, do you have an old reliable like Julian Edelman? And my thought was, can it be Julian yeah, Edelman? I mean, I mean, look, I agree with you, Joey. I'm all aboard the Cam Newton bounce back train as far as, I mean, can't be too bad. I mean, Tom Brady was not great last year. And I think, look, Julian Edelman fits Cam Newton's skill set. Cam Newton has targeted the slot a ton, whether it was Curtis Samuel, whether putting DJ Moore in there, whether they started putting big receivers in there like Kelvin Benjamin. And that's how we know who Devin Funches is. I think Cam Newton is going to look for someone who is a vet, who's got it going on. I don't think it's Muhammad Sanu. I think it's Julian Edelman. I tell you what, I got an old reliable for you, Joey. I got two. I'm going to do two quick hits on old reliables. We mentioned him a little earlier in the podcast. Going as the wide receiver 21, Bobby Woods, baby. Yeah. Robert Woods. What happened last year? So talented, and they just couldn't get him the football. But listen, Joe, on a per-game basis, he averaged more fantasy points in a quote-unquote down year than DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, and Stefan Diggs. Wow. Here's what I love about it, though. Snap percentage was 94%. There's only two other wide receivers that had that high of a snap percentage, and one of them was actually Allen Robinson a guy who's on the field for everything. So I love that he's top three in snap percentage in the NFL. He was wide receiver 12 from weeks nine to 17 last season. Once Cooper cup fell off, he has 130 targets in back-to-back years and Brandon cooks is gone as the wide receiver 21. I would say run don't walk to draft him at that price. That's an amazing value right there. I didn't even, didn't even realize it. And yeah, just think about it. You know, and the, but at that point in the draft, right, you're just trying to build up some depth, depth right now. You're trying to build out your starting lineup. And that's when you got to hit correctly on wide receiver. That is the time, you know, you want to hit correctly on running back early on. Obviously, you want to find the quarterback of your dreams somewhere in the draft. But later in the draft is when you really need to hit on wide receiver because then later in the season, that's when it turns into matchups. That's when guys get hurt. That's when you start worrying about your flex position. You know, that's when you got to really hit on those guys if you want to get a good start to your fantasy season. And we talked about this on the last podcast, Joey, about tight ends. It's all about roster construction, right? You mentioned Julian Edelman and Devontae Parker going in the same, um, you know, same ADP range. Well, this is when roster construction comes into play. Did you start with Tyreek Hill, a boom bust home run hitter? Then maybe this is the time for Julian Edelman. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you got more of a possession guy. Maybe you got, I mean, Mike Thomas is kind of like the best of all worlds. 
you know, but let's say you got a, a Chris Godwin who's may have a down season or an Allen Robinson, more of a, you know, not a big yardage guy. Maybe then you want a home run hitter like Devonte Parker. And you do a Cooper cup and you're not, a, you're not, you're wondering, Oh man, is he true wide receiver one? You know, Devonte Parker at 76th overall last five games last year, 26 receptions, 507 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, the dude had a breakout the minute that he signed that contract. Granted, you know, he's got a new quarterback that perhaps will be throwing him footballs at some point this season. I just like the value on that right there. You know, you see A.J. Brown. I'm a big fan of A.J. Brown, but I almost feel like, you know, the the sharps are on to him a little bit in terms of where his ADP is, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to snag him at that value. You're paying for A.J. Brown at his ceiling. You're paying for the A.J. Brown we think he's going to be rather than a lot of these other players who we've seen their ceiling and you get to draft them at their floor. One of the poster childs for drafting a guy at his floor when we know what his ceiling could be is the other old timer I like, T.Y. Hilton. Ooh, Joey, that's a good one. I know you're all over the Colts. I know you think they're going to take a step forward with Phillip Rivers. And I got to be honest, I wasn't really hip to that idea until I saw that T.Y. Hilton was going as wide receiver 27. The lowest he's ever gone in his career by far. He's normally a lock top 10 wide receiver. That's criminal. And let's just go through T.Y. Hilton's mindset. He entered last season expecting to catch passes from Andrew Luck, only to have him retire days before the season started, Joey. Literally during our tap ball fantasy draft. As soon as I drafted a Colt. The to the league, Joe Little, finds it on Twitter that Andrew Luck is retiring. And we're like, okay, rookie. Nice, nice Raz the first time. Yeah. I'm like, good job. Now go get me my drink. Uh, no, he was correct. He literally retired in our draft. Rounds that, before he could be selected. And enter Jacoby Brissett. Enter injuries. Enter running the ball 7,000 times. Now he gets Frank Reich, Philip Rivers. And look, a lot of people said, and I was one of them, that Philip Rivers' arm was toast. I looked at the numbers, Joey. As I said, they don't lie, and they tell a different story. He threw for 4,600 yards and 23 tutties, and his yards per attempt in 2019 were 7.8. So I don't see a dip that, in the arm that's strength. That's still pretty good. That's still pretty good. And you know what? Wide he's receiver been throwing, 27. And he's been throwing to what? Travis Benjamin downfield for the last several years. You know, just wait until he gets a Pro Bowl. No, maybe not Pro Bowl type anymore, but T.Y. Hilton can still produce, right? He only played in 10 games last year. He's been banged up, but man. I'm looking at it right now, you know, five 1,000-plus yard receiving seasons out of his last six played. I guess the only one that I might knock him on is he's never really had a huge touchdown season. But, man, you know, in terms of a downfield threat, a guy you can still throw the football to, man, as the 26th, 27th overall wide receiver off the board, I mean, think about that, man. Like, if you're in a 12-team league and everyone has two or three wide receivers – you know, you can get him pretty much whenever you want. It's, it's, it's incredible, and he could perhaps be a wide receiver, too, for you. That's an amazing value. I mean, can you think of a wide receiver going in that range who is the number one pass catcher on a good offense? No way. The guy's going to be number one in targets. It's not going to be close. Paris Campbell and a rookie are the other options. They shipped Eric Ebron off. Are you kidding me? T.Y. Hilton is going to eat. 
So let's get you out of here on this. Deep Sleep Creepers, our favorite. Uh, sometimes these Deep Sleep Creepers become, uh, become fantasy darlings quicker than you think. Now, these are guys that are coming in, you know, rounds 10, 11, 12. You know, dudes that you might not even know who they are right now, but dudes that might surprise this season that might end up on fantasy rosters. Dave, who are you looking at from the Deep Sleep Creepers that might end up on the fantasy radar in 2020? Well, I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth, Joey. I've been hammering to stay away from rookies <laughs> on all our conversations, all our podcasts. I got one too. Don't worry about it. But these are two rookies that I love. Jalen Rager on the Eagles and Brandon Ayuk on the 49ers. Let the masses reach for Jerry Judy, for Ruggs, for CeeDee Lamb, the big names out of the draft. But Rager and Ayuk are going to walk into immediate starter roles, both of them out of the slot, which I absolutely love. Um, on the 49ers, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Debo Samuels is injured. And Brandon Ayuk is going as wide receiver 68. He was an absolute yak monster at Arizona State. And that is just what Shanahan loves for old Jimmy G. Short pass, long yards. Brandon Ayuk is the guy. He's going to immediately have to step up and start playing. I think for that value, it's a no-brainer. Late, late rounds looking for a guy who could be a home run hit. And then Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager kind of fits this Deshaun Jackson mold. I think he's a little bit better of a 50-50 ball guy. Let's say Deshaun Jackson is healthy. He's going to command the top corners of the other teams, leaving Jalen Rager open. I'm not much into, you know, NFL scout blurbs and all that, but every time I look on the Eagles, there's a really nice blurb about Jalen Rager catching a bomb from Carson Wentz or catching something over the middle and taking it to the house. I like the Eagles this year. I like Wentz this year. I like Jalen Rager. And this is what we're saying is, you know, you just mentioned those two guys, you know, if, if it, it's between Rager and Deshaun Jackson, take Rager, take the young guy, you know what I mean? Stay away from Deshaun Jackson. Great. He'll have one good game and then he'll hurt his hamstring or his ankle and you won't see him again for four or five weeks. It's kind of a waste of a roster spot, especially early on in the season. So what you're saying is with these guys, just real quick, specifically, you know, you know, round 10, maybe not, maybe too early, or that's about right there and anywhere after that's a good place to go or just target these guys towards the end. Yeah, I think 10 and 11. I think you don't want to reach for any rookie this year. And I think Jalen Rager is priced appropriately. He's a little ahead of Brandon Ayuk. So I like to queue up both those guys. And in the 10th, 11th round, whichever one is still there, and it's normally one of them, I pull the trigger on, on the other one. And this will be your wide receiver four, right? This will be the fourth guy. This is the guy you're not putting in your flex just yet. He's sitting on your bench, but he has the potential to become a good offense's number one wide receiver. For my two guys, uh, they're both on the same team. Oh. And, and my thought process with this is, you know, which football team last year is going to look completely different this year? Which one is going to have a completely different look than it did last year? And honestly, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going back to the well a little bit on this one where – 
you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they grow wide receivers on trees. You know, if it isn't Mike Wallace, it turns into Antonio Brown. They're so good at it. They're so good at it. Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, God, Plaxico Burris. Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, Juju Smith-Schuster, I can go on and on. It just seems like no matter what happens, they draft the guy, and then two years later, he emerges and becomes that guy. Because of that, I do like Deontay Johnson. He's at 104 right now overall, so that is 10th round. You know, I – 10th round, I, I can wrap my head around it. Maybe if you did 11th or 12th round, I'd probably be a little bit more happy with that value. But, you know, if we think that the Steelers aren't, you know, they don't even have to be elite to have a bounce back season from, uh, from their offense. That's how bad they were last year. And Deontay Johnson was able to make a couple plays while those two bros, Hodges and Rudolph, were chucking passes at him, were throwing rocks at him, basically. So I do think that he's a guy that can emerge as a number two receiver. And then my other guy, he is buried. He's 204th. Overall, he's a guy that won't even get drafted. And I'm not saying to draft him, but I'm saying by the end of the season, he will be on a fantasy roster. And I'm saying that at one point, I think he will be able to start a game. This was one of my favorite guys coming out of the draft, Chase Claypool. I love this dude. He is monster. 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 Monster fast. They got him listed at wide receiver. I'm kind of surprised that he's not a tight end. Maybe he will transfer later on in his career. That's probably where he should be. But I'm just sort of thinking off the top of my head, a guy running down the field with seam routes, you know, at their tight end position, a very important position for the Steelers. They have Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald. Talented, right? Both of them. Vance McDonald hurt all the time. Ebron coming off a foot injury, getting older, also kind of hurt all the time too as well. If those guys miss time, enter Chase Claypool in the red zone. I think that he might not be able to be able to rack up a ton of yards, but I do like him for receptions in some situations. I think he might be a matchup play for touchdowns. 204th overall. So here's the deal. You don't even have to think about him, I don't think, the entirety of the draft. There's even a scenario, too, where you can take a flyer on somebody during the draft, not even draft Chase Claypool, wait until a week or two, see if someone gets hurt, see if someone, you know, craps the bed, and then you can make a move and you can go ahead and pick that guy up and then just sort of see what he's got. I don't think that he's going to be something that happens, you know, the first two or three weeks of the season, but I got my eye on that guy. You heard it here first. I'm believing Ben Chicago. I like Chase Claypool and I think he will be on fantasy rosters by the time the season is over. Joey, I love it. I'll add one name to that list of a guy that's going undrafted. He's free. Last round dart throw for me this year is going to be Nikhil Harry. Oof, very good as well, right? This was a guy who was drafted very high by the Patriots. He had a lot of preseason injuries that hampered a hot start. Took a while for him to find some play time. Oh, by the way, the Pats also had Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas. They were figuring things out. He got lost in the shuffle. But I think he fits very well in the Cam Newton mold that we talked about before that Devin Funches, Kevin Benjamin, Nikhil Harry is a big body guy. When they get down to the red zone, I'm just not buying Muhammad Sanu as a thing. I think he's a warm body out there. I think Philip Dorsett is a, you know, burn the top off a defense guy. I think someone needs to emerge other than Julian Edelman as like a true wide receiver one archetype. And I think his name could be Nikhil Harry. He's free. If you get to the last, you pick your defense, you pick your kicker, and you go, oh, I still got a bench slot left. Uh, who's a little dart throw that could pay dividends on this price? Yeah, toss it out. Not a bad move. He's definitely a guy that they're going to try and give as many snaps to 
as possible as long as the dude is healthy. And if it's a situation where he can get targets, definitely a guy to think about and take on. And a dude that flew under the radar. He was definitely drafted last year. You know what I mean? He was drafted in a lot of fantasy leagues until they put him on the pup list. So it's not like that he didn't have the talent or the buzz or whatever last year going into the year. And now he's kind of flying under the radar. So I like that pick a whole lot too. Dave, this is going to do it, man, for our wide receiver uh, fantasy football series right here in Believe in Benning, Chicago. Do you feel good? I feel way better than the tight end podcast, Joey. (laughs) I know. I know. That one was just like, this was fun. That was like, oh, man fantasy drafts this year do i have to yeah yeah do i have to this now one I'm, felt yeah down now. downhill you know we're skateboarding we're not wearing helmets we're having fun yeah julian edelman 89th overall everyone yeah baby yeah. <laughs> uh dude dave thank you so much for joining us this is William benning chicago joey christopolis we got one more pod coming up this week we're going to talk a little cubs but then next week make sure you come back and stick around because me and dave we're going to be diving into running backs as we inch closer to the nfl season in 2020 that begins on september 13th it's going to be here before you know it, and drafts are going to be here before you know it too as well until then thank you so much for taking a listen have a wonderful day until then be safe be kind be good to each other and we will talk then thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.